Welcome to Tales from Behind the Veil. I'm Patrice Catan, and I'm an expert in the fashion, bridal, and event planning industry for over 40 years. And I'm Leah Hasledge, Patrice's producer and sidekick. And today, Patrice will be sharing her tips on what to do as soon as you get engaged. All right, Patrice, our couples are engaged. They get our ring on it. So now it's time to start planning. But how soon is too soon? Do you start as soon as like you get the rock or do you need to like have a little bit of a engagement period before you start getting into it? What do you think? Well, I think you need to hurry up <laughs> because you don't understand the time schedules in today's marketplace. Let's start with that beautiful ring that you receive. Usually it's a holiday. Maybe it's not. But you know, once it happens, your brain's got to click. Why? Time is of essence. In my 40 years in the bridal business, I've seen more stressed brides than I could imagine. And it comes along with a lot of different things that go on, either within the family, within the budget, or probably misconception of what they can actually do for the dollars that they have and why they need to pick, and they really do need to pick, the most important part of their wedding, and that's where the budget belongs. So let's break that down. That's that's a lot of awesome information. So we're going to like step by step because you you started off with like such a great point. I mean, you're newly engaged, but you're one of many engaged couples now. And there's only so many Fridays and Saturdays if you want a weekend wedding. There's alternatives. You can have a Sunday, you can have the week, but most traditionally Fridays and Saturdays, right? So That's you're competing correct. with all these other couples for the venues and the dates and the time of year that you want. So before we get to the budget, which is, I think, probably, we agree, the most important part of the wedding. Correct. To me, it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? The location or the date? Well, this is where the problem comes in. The chicken and egg crash. And they, they really don't know which ends up. And the problem is that, first of all, the reason I say budget comes first is because, first of all, you have to sit down and say, okay, this is X, Y, and Z amount of money that I have to pull this event off. Whether you're doing it yourself, doing it with both sides of the family, whatever the situation may be. Now, you have to remember When you do that, let's hypothetically say we have a $35,000 budget, okay? Let's just pick a number. It doesn't matter what the number is. All right, we have the number at 35, okay? Now, we also know that the first thing we need to decide after the ring is on the finger is what special part of your special day is the most important to you? Is it the wedding gown? Is it the cake? Is it where it's at? It's the church it's in, or if it's going to be at the catering facility. These are all things we have to take in consideration. Also, when you go out and you look for a catering facility, 
that you like, make sure it's in your budget. Don't go there with high hopes. They're going to meet what you want when you know they're not going to. You leave disappointed. You know, I keep stressing, stress is not necessary. Happiness is. You can pull this off and be happy 99% of the time if you just take it step by step and do not give it a lot of thought. So once you have the budget, the first thing you need to do is the church for the ceremony or the ceremony at the event center, the band, the catering facility, and the cake. And that pretty much sews up the most beneficial things that are necessary to start the procedure. And probably photography too, right? Because they go pretty fast, Um, right? Photography does go pretty fast. Um, it, It just depends. Again, all of this matters as far as how popular these different people are and how fast their books book up. And a lot of people book a year plus in advance. Locations. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why I say when the rain is on your finger, it's time to look. It's off to the races. If if you're getting married within a year, you need to start immediately. If you're getting married even in a year and a half, you start immediately. I'm jumping around a little bit, but the girls also have to take into consideration the timing of getting a wedding gown and the bridesmaids. It's not what it was even three years ago, unfortunately. Right. We're now at a six to eight month window from the time you decide till the time it enters the door. And then after that, you need at least a good month for alterations. So all of this has got to flow. And if it doesn't flow properly, it creates anxiety. The other thing is, once you start, don't take a lot of opinions. This is not for the world to decide. This is not for the world to know everything. You know, the girls, a lot of girls today find a need for everybody's opinion. You got to remember something, girls. Their opinion doesn't matter. Why? Because maybe their taste is different. Maybe their look is different. Maybe what they deem necessary for a wedding is not what you deem necessary. So take that in consideration and make sure that you put one foot in front of you, your fiancé and you set the program and move forward. Once you get all the beginning components, that locks up the date, the time, and what is necessary to go from there. Now you don't have to worry about it. You will be surprised how many dates are taken up. At this time of year, let me give you an example. This is December. If you want to get married next fall, September and October, and you're just getting engaged at Christmas, you need to start the day after you get the ring. Yeah. It's be- probably, it may even be taken already. 
Oh, it could be taken. I mean, there's certain months that are so popular now, like October is like the one of the biggest wedding months now. October is the biggest. Yeah. It used to be June. June. Mm-hmm. June is kind of falling off the chart. Yeah. It's busy. We also have to remember, too, that with COVID, um, there's a lot of backlog of weddings that didn't appear when they needed to appear. Right. So now we have a doubling of the amount that are really looking for facilities and uh, they're having a problem coming up with them. Also, when you go to look, look at several. Look at several in your price range. Make sure when you go to the caterers, you know exactly what the charge is a plate, Mm -hmm. what the gratuity is, and if there's a haul charge. Yeah, consider fees. That's something that people do not, they always overlook in their, I know I did when I planned my wedding. I didn't think about things like stamps and how much they can cost you in the end. Like little things add up. The tips, the extra fees, yeah. They they can add up. So let's start from the top. First, we're going to book a church or it'll be at the event center. That's a simple part. You give them a gratuity for using the church and that's, That's it. The other thing um, I failed to mention was booking your limos. If you're going to use limos or if you're going to use a limo bus, Mm -hmm. never just order one limo unless it's just for the bride and groom. If you're not going to order enough to take the bridesmaids and the immediate family, then consider the limo bus. And the bride and groom go in the front limo. It's very important that the bride is not seen by the world before she walks down the aisle. And don't show your dress to everybody before the wedding. <laughs> well, let, that's let ridiculous. Let people be surprised. Let everyone be surprised. Right. That's Every, your moment. Everybody should be. And I, I can't make girls understand that. We're getting off the subject, but let's just fly there for a second. I would have sometimes 12 to 15 people coming with a bride to try on dresses, and everybody would put up their sign what they thought. Well, you're never going to decide. And number two, you're never going to get what you want. It should be a closest friend, a sister, a mother, extended mother-in-law, And leave it there. Yeah, don't bring more than two to three people, right? Right, right. And sometimes I tell the brides, take yourself, get a good feel of what you like, and then bring your mother or your sister or whoever is close to you that you feel you want them to be part of this. I've had so many girls, they would come in and they would bring their friends on the second time because they were down to two dresses. The girl would put the gowns on, and all of a sudden, the girls would go, thumbs down, thumbs down, and this is the girl's dress that she really loved. She starts crying. What is the sense to this? Right. That girl has different opinions. It doesn't matter what she thinks. It makes for great TV on something like Say Yes for the Dress, but it's not good for reality. It, it, it's very bad for reality because it strikes a very high anxiety button. And that's usually where it comes in. 
it it doesn't come in as much in the beginning, the basics that you need to handle. It comes in with the garments and the little things like invitations and whether we're going to do favors or we're giving favors uh, money to a special charity, which is wonderful. Um, there's what the decorations are going to be. Right. Like I've said before, and I'll say it again, give it a title. This is a play. This is your play of love with your fiance. Give it a title. Make it what you want it. Have like theme words. Like I use like whimsical and modern. You could use all kinds of things. Like think of what right. resonates with you. Yeah. Country, rustic. Rustic, barn look. There's all sorts of them. Yeah. I mean, you can come up with them yourself even out of a picture. And really, you probably should have that figured out before you start looking at venues because it helps navigate what kind of venue space you'd like. Well, so they have like all these like cool like artsy DIY spaces that you can use, and art museums and history museums, and right? Right, breweries and, like there's and, so much you can do. Well, there's a lot you can do, and a lot of it dictates the theme, destination. Yeah, right. But the theme is usually dictated if you're in a historical building, or if you're at the art museum. Um, it dictates the look. The look at the art museum would be regal. So it doesn't matter if you choose location or what theme you want first. You can kind of go either way. You can go either way because what really has to appeal to you in the beginning is the facility you're going to use and what it tells you. We laugh a lot, but, you know, you can walk into an ultra-modern room and you could turn it into traditional. Oh, that's true. If you really tried. Mm -hmm. But it would take a lot of work. So if you want a rustic look, then use a barn. That's something to consider, too. When you're looking at your budget, um, something I found when I was hunting for venues for my own was, you know, you have spaces like hotels, for example, that kind of already have their own ambiance. A botanical garden already has its own, like, flowers and ambiance. So everything's kind of built in, the tables and chairs and all that with those kind of spaces. But if you do something like these art spaces that are just completely open and empty, you have to pay to rent tables, rent chairs, build from the top, like bring in a bar, things that aren't already built in like a hotel. That's a whole other budget thing that you have to consider if you want a venue space like that. That's absolutely correct, Leah. This is why it's very important when you start with the reception hall, you get all the statistics of what you pay for. You know, down to the tablecloths. Are they in with the price or right. are they additional? And if they're in with the price, what is my color choice? It might not be what you think. Right. It's just like black, white, or ivory. And if you yeah. want a color, it's a buck more each napkin or something like that. That's correct. And the chairs, what type of chairs? Right now, the acrylic chairs are very popular. They're clear. But they're truly modern. And you have to remember, the shafari chairs uh, designate tradition. So, again, you have to take, you know, a girl will say, oh, this 
acrylic chair is the most popular thing going. It's only popular in a certain category. When you use it outside of the box, it's the wrong category. And again, that's where event planners come in, okay? The caterers have event planners on staff to facilitate the night of the event and a few things that go on right before you walk in. But a true event planner takes it from top to bottom. Yeah, should you consider that in your budget? Like, do you think everyone should have a wedding planner or at least like a month out day of coordinator? Right. Well, a month out day coordinator, this is where I have a problem. We did it for years and we will be bringing on the air Brenda, who now owns Socially Artistic that was owned by me um, when I had my company. We did do day of. I didn't like to do it a lot. And let me tell you why. A event planner is coming in when all of this is decided. And all of a sudden, they have to figure out what direction all this is going and why. So they haven't been in it from the ground floor. It's a problem. Now, are event planners worth a lot of money? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a substantial fee for a substantial amount of work. But you have to realize something. There is a timeline that needs to be developed from day one. What's first? What's second? What's third? What's fourth? And maybe if you don't hire somebody for just the day of, but maybe a week or two before the wedding where you can give them a layout of what you're doing and let them integrate a timeline mm-hmm. if you cannot afford a full-blown uh, event planner. Event planner has a lot of tentacles, even down to making sure that the food is brought out in a timely manner, that the food is brought out and a table is served all at once. We have been to weddings where we've actually had to go in the kitchen and say, wait a minute, table six, two are served, where's the other six? This is not acceptable, not acceptable. And even though the caterers have event people, they get busy, things slip through the cracks, it's not done on purpose, but the backup personal coordinator helps it flow. Yeah, because just the event space coordinator isn't going to help facilitate between your photographer and your videographer and the limo driver and all these other, like the, like you said, the tentacles. The event coordinator can help facilitate all of that. Correct. Well, first of all, she develops a timeline, a very tight timeline. So we know what's going to happen first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Okay? She also can make sure that the makeup person is there, the hairdresser's there. Where are the girls getting dressed? Is she getting dressed at the reception hall because that's where the service is? Is she getting married at the church and she's coming from her home in the dress, which I highly recommend? I do not think you should get dressed at the reception area or at the church. Let me tell you why. 
There's too many people going, oh my God, oh my God, look at this dress. This is just beautiful. As their greasy hands are going down it. Do it in your home or in a home you might have where present is who you prefer and your bridesmaids getting dressed, the makeup, the hair, and whatever else is necessary at that given time. And you will be given a time to leave the house so that you are on time. And I know we're getting off the track because we were on the reception from the time you get a ring. But, you know, you have to follow suit what you're doing in the beginning all the way through to the end of the event. I had a client one time, wonderful people. The bride's mother rented two limos, one for the bride and groom and an extra one. And I said to her, you need more than one additional limo. You need two or three to get everybody. No, no, we're going to go back and forth. Okay, back and forth was, it went back and forth four times to get the immediate family to the church. What does this mean? Time restraint, you're late, the event's going to start late, which means everything is backed up 45 minutes. Total domino effect. It's a domino effect. There's a lot of great people out there that give timelines and tell you what to do next and what to do next and what. Well, okay, that's fine. But you have to use logic. What What is necessary? And that's where an event planner comes in because they are telling you what's necessary. And in a lot of ways, they do business with a lot of people. They can save you money. Yeah. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. So speaking of saving money, what do you do if you have champagne taste in a beer budget? How do you still make your dream come true? You have a problem to a certain extent because what you have to do is reconcile that what the vision is in your head and what you're going to try to obtain is something that you really have to um, work on. And I really think you can get there. You know, I had many girls that would come in for high-end gowns, and it was really not in their budget. And they would pull, or I would pull, other gowns that were more in their budget. And I remember many, many times where the less expensive gowns that they tried on, they were perfectly fine with and ended up being a dream dress because 
It fit their look. And it fit their personality. And their budget. And their budget. And why is that important? Well, as a salon owner, it's very important. Why? You need to respect what people have to pull off what their dream is. And that's in every facet of the wedding. Yeah. You must respect that. There is no reason to bring out a $5,000 gown when her budget is $1,500. Right. Ultimately, she's going to want that $5,000 gown, and she can't have it. And it's just going to lead to disappointment. It's going to make you anxious or depressed. It's <laughs> just not worth it. It creates a lot of anxiety. We actually just kind of spoke about this with David Tutera on a recent episode. When you have like the, the Pinterest dreams, you're seeing all these elaborate weddings in magazines and TV and Pinterest. And you have no idea what the cost or budget behind that is. And it's usually triple of what you probably are going to be willing and able to spend. Absolutely. And there's a lot lot of ways to cut corners. What are some ways to cut corners, Patrice? Well, first of all, number one, in the catering end, let's go back to the caterers, okay? A buffet in lieu of a sit-down. That definitely is less. Instead of um, a lot of hors d'oeuvres that end up being very expensive, we could go for lighter coup de trade trays that would suffice with the drinks. The alcohol. Alcohol can be very, very expensive. You could go with hard liquor, but you could also go with beer, wine, and soda. You don't have to serve all that. You don't need premium items. This is a wedding that's going to last three, four hours, and your bar bill could end up higher than your food bill. And you have to also factor in with a bar, you have to pay for extra bartenders, you have to pay a certain gratuity fee, and usually make sure there's a security guard on hand. Oh, well, there has to be a security guard automatically. And that, that again, is you're paying it, not the facility. You're paying that. You're paying extra bartenders because you don't want a problem. And if we brought up the bar, let's talk about the bar, okay? First set of rules is when the people arrive, you have the bar open. It's the cocktail hour. And whatever you choose to serve, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be just snack food done properly on trays. Yeah, like you said, a coudite or a charcuterie spread. A charcuterie spread is excellent and really it's becoming extremely popular because there's a variety of things on that. So there's always something somebody likes. And after the cocktail hour, you go down to your table and you leave the bar open. But when the food is ready to be served, you close the bar. And you leave it closed until after the entire meal is finished. Why? It presents less problems. Mm -hmm. The other suggestion I have that usually doesn't cost a lot of money is at the end of the evening, bringing out snack food, hot dogs, mini hamburgers, whatever, just so that these people go home okay and It really is a courtesy 
to your guests when you perform in this manner. Oh, and with the cake, you don't have to have like, unless it's your dream to have like a 20-foot tall cake, you can just have the simple one that you and your uh, partner cut, and then there's the still delicious sheet cake hiding in the back that gets sliced and sent out to guests, and that's a lot less expensive. You could do that. That's a good way of approaching it, uh, where the top piece is for the year anniversary, and one layer is for the bride and groom, and the rest is in the kitchen. The other way is it's a fake cake all the way up except at the top. So you can go either way. You can still have your big cake, but it's fake. And at the top is something. The other thing, too, is cake tops, they don't exist anymore. Uh, What exists is a few flowers on the top of the cake coming down the side of the cake. Live flowers are out of frosting. You don't see bride and grooms on top of a cake anymore. It's just not in fashion. It is. Well, I did have one um, that I bought on Etsy. I spent far more money than I should have. And I no longer have it. (laughs) Well, that's great. But you can do things like Etsy or local artists if you want to have something made to be a keepsake. But Well, a lot of girls like keepsakes, but in the past eight to ten years— Yeah, you don't really see uh, you. They dropped off totally. They they don't exist. And um, when we were in business, we would actually custom make them. And it was very interesting— because we would make it to coincide with the look of the wedding. Uh, There's just so many different facets. It would take 10 podcasts to really go over them. But as you move forward, we'll be talking about this in other podcasts where we will be talking about when you pick your dress, who you take, what you look for, and... Make sure that your consultant is knowledgeable and looks at you. You know, you walk in with pictures now off of Pinterest and off your phone. Back in the day when I started in 1980, they all walked in with their bride's books that had pages and pages of of their dream dresses. That's wonderful. And we can go for it, okay? You want a straight dress. You want a trumpet. You want a ball gown. You don't know what you want, but oh, you just love a trumpet. Guess what? It doesn't love you. So what happens is the consultant should have the person try on what they think they like. Because now we're into the next step after the major things are taken care of. This is now the major, major decision to be made. And please, girls, do not pick the bridesmaid dresses before the wedding gown. Again, we're, we're hosting a play. It's all about you. And who's walking down the aisle in front of you needs to tell a story about what you're going to wear. That's the object of the exercise. The other thing I have to bring up in my biggest pet peeve in the bridal industry, would you please drop the bouquet? Yeah. I've I've had it. <laughs> you know, every picture I see, the bouquet is up to their chest. The beautiful part of the dress, the beautiful part of the bride is not even showing. Yeah, it's hiding. All you see is this big 
conglomerate. And again, a bouquet should be designed to fit the design of the gown and the bone structure of the girl. You don't give a girl a 12 to 16 inch bouquet when she's five foot one. Also, if the dress is ornamental in the front, you do a crescent bouquet to your right or left side, depending. Usually it would be your right side off to the hip so that it's away from the gown. The bouquet is an accent. It's not the predominant part of the gown. So keep your hands lower when walking down. They got to be very low. And when we get into webinars down the road, I will show you how to control a bouquet with your thumb. With your thumb controls it from where the bouquet holder starts. You can flip it yourself. Try it. Yeah, it works. To it. Yeah, it, it works. But keep it away from the gown. The other thing is, if you're using live flowers, sometimes they stain a little bit. And if they stain a pure silk gown, we got a problem. So here comes 100% grain alcohol. You know how many cases we went through in a year? Probably 100. Why? Well, we went through them because that's what takes off spots on a pure silk dress. Never add water. Never add anything but pure 100-grain alcohol, which we used to have to buy in Chicago. Now they sell it in our stores here in Ohio. So this is something to always have on hand. If you don't have an event planner, your maid of honor should hold your emergency kit. That's makeup, Tylenol, pins. God forbid something tears. We need safety pins. Not straight pins, safety pins. Anything that you might need in an emergency should be in that pouch Mm -hmm. and down the line. And let me tell you, I had to deal with one. Like, it's a saving grace. You never know when you need that tide to go or uh, wet wipes or contact solution or loss. It's all got to be in there. Mm -hmm. And you got to be very careful. And usually the maid of honor handles that and she controls it, not the world. Again, we go back to all these people controlling. No, you're the bride. She's the maid of honor. She controls what your needs are. If you have an event planner, the event planner controls your needs. If you want to give it to the maid of honor, fine, do whatever you want. But I see so many girls floundering because they tore something and there's no way to fix it. Mm -hmm. There's always a way to fix anything. You know, when I was in business, I can't tell you how many times we went down to a church to sew a zipper in. And we even did it for clients that weren't our clients. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Um, A girl is desperate. She has to find somebody that's capable of handling her problem. It probably delays the ceremony just a little bit or the reception. But it's your day to remember, and you want it as perfect as humanly possible. 
Could a lot of things go wrong? Oh, yeah. But you know what, girls? A lot of things that go wrong are so minor. You notice them. I might notice them. Nobody else will. Oh, can I tell a story about when I worked for you in Bridesmaids? Oh, be my guest. So speaking of that, so this one time, I'm 20 years old in Bridesmaids, and this bride comes in, and she looks through all the swatch books that we had for every designer that we offered. Well, that's a couple thousand. It was a lot. (laughs) So she's going through, and she had this shade of green. She was fixated. I'll never forget this. This certain shade of green, and she she had every swatch book open to the greens. And she's like, I need this shade of green. And I can't remember if she had a swatch from somewhere else or if she just had it in her head. But she, there was a certain shade of green she had to have for the bridesmaids' dresses. And we went through every swatch book, and she's like, I need this green. I'm like, I, well, I can't control what the designers are going to offer. Like, this is all we have. And she broke down, like, sobbing uncontrollably, fell to her knees, like, so upset that no one had this shade of green. And at the time, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm thinking she's just being a quote-unquote bridezilla, but now that I'm older and know better, clearly there's a lot of anxiety and stress there, and she was using that shade of green as a control for things that she can't control, whether it's a relationship issue with her partner or just overwhelmed with the planning process. Maybe there's family and friend demands. So you might find yourself in this situation, like, is it really about the shade of green or is it something a little deeper? That happens a lot. You can remember back when you were with me, it was nothing on a Saturday to have 50 girls in there trying on dresses, Mm -hmm. throwing them all over the place, which was fine. We loved it. The more people, the better. The more questions, the better. But the problem is that somebody has it fixated in their head what they're looking for, and they have bridesmaids that are all different body types. And I would say to them, First of all, a color, yeah, a color is important, but a varied color, let's face it, I don't care whether you have a swatch in front of you and you want this exact color, the next bolt could come out slightly different. Mm -hmm. That's very, very possible. Very true. You you never can guarantee that. Mm -hmm. This is why in our business, we did not send in the bridesmaid order until everybody was measured. And we would be on the phone constantly to move it quicker because if it was in the box, it was less to worry about. It was in production. And the reason we did that was that people would say, well, why do you need everybody? I said, because I want it off the same bolt. I want the dye lot to be the same. If I send them all in together, the dye lot will be the same. And these are little things that you would not know unless you're in the business. No, and we used to have to chase bridesmaids because they would not come in to get fitted or put their money down. And we can't send the order through until we get this one girl. And they weren't realizing that and the importance. And it's stressing the bride out because there's a timeline to get things ordered and sent in and alterations, like you mentioned. Everything has to flow. And if it all flows and you listen to what I'm saying, You won't be stressed. You might be disappointed periodically because you have to change your mind on a certain thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing the brides ought to do when it comes to bridesmaids, excellent subject, Leah, which you were very good at. Thank you. um, 
they really need to look at the bride's shapes. And there's many gowns that come in the same color in various different styles that fit the purpose. You can't take a five foot two, a girl a little bit on heavier side, which is nothing wrong, she's beautiful, and put her in a straight tight dress. It's not going to work. And she's not going to feel comfortable. Right. The other thing is for the bride, you go in and you pick out two or three bridesmaid dresses. And these are the styles you want, period. A lot of the brides would come in and let them all loose. And you'd have 25 different styles in a dressing room and everybody arguing over the style such a that they like. This is wrong. It's so, don't do it. The bride needs to control the event. Control. Do you know what I mean by control? Make the decision. Oh, speaking of control, Patrice, something we didn't touch upon yet with budget is if you have a family member, say your parents are helping contribute or fully contributing, and then they're going to want control, what do you do? Well, that sometimes is a problem because there is mothers that want total control. Can you do anything about it? Um, The problem there is you need a very sympathetic, understanding person that understands that your view is also important. And there could be a lot of give and take there where the bride has to decide what is the most serious thing to her and what isn't and let a few of those go by the wayside because her mother does want to be part, uh, whether she's paying or not. The mother wants to be involved in their daughter's wedding. So you you have to use a little bit of psychology. Uh, Really, I should have went to psychiatry school because you really, to deal with brides and their families, you need to be a psychiatrist because you really need to measure your words. Measure your words because one word the wrong way, everything gets blown out of proportion. Well, they do say that weddings and funerals bring out the worst in family. It, it, it does bring, I mean, I've seen mothers leave the salon. I've seen brides leave the salon. I've seen brides get to the counter and decide this is their dress and they get ready to pay and they go, nope, I'm not ready. Okay, that's fine. But if your wedding's in six months, you better get ready about something because a salon owner cannot be responsible If the ship date is late, usually what we would do is we would call and check the ship date before they purchased. Or if they had a year in advance, it was no problem because we used to get dresses in 12 weeks. This is not the case today. Mm -mm. Right now, if you bought a dress today from a lot of the designers, now some not, don't quote me. There are some that have back stock, but on a whole, you wouldn't get it till June. Now, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you need time to get it altered. And alterations is another whole story in itself, which, of course, 
we don't have time for today. No, but we're going to have a great episode coming up about that. But we will. We will have a great episode. I'm uh, going to probably bring one of my top alteration people on the show to give you hints of what you do and what you don't do. The one inside track I will tell you, once you are measured, once you decide the weight you want to be at, don't go any further. It presents problems. When you do a lot of weight training, you will accumulate muscle. Muscle means the dress won't zip. So be very, very careful how you approach it. That's a great tip. So another tip that I'd like for you to give is what to do when you are stressed out and you are sweating the small stuff. How do you control that anxiety when you start getting overwhelmed with all these details and planning and people in your ears, like your family and friends and coworkers? Uh, It's kind of like what I did when I ran a business. A lot of people give you a lot of advice. Everybody knows everything. No, they don't. I don't know everything. I know this because I lived it for many years from the bottom up. I saw what can go wrong. I saw the reactions. And I kind of checked it in my head so that I would be able to educate people what not to do. I think what you have to do when you run into these kind of problems, you seriously need to step away. Get a quiet space by yourself or with your fiancé. Look at what you have to decide on next and make sure it flows. That's all you have to do. Walk away, clear your head. Did you ever get upset about something and you're ready to get in an argument and you go, no, I don't want to get in an argument? Well, the best way to walk away from that is to walk away. Walk away, de-stress, breathe, think of something fun, like a trip to Hawaii or gambling at a casino in Vegas. Uplift your mind into another direction. You will find out what you're stressed about. It's really not a big deal. I love that. So there's so much we can talk about with this topic, and I know we'll do multi-episodes on it, but I think a good way to end today's episode is something that people don't consider is the wedding day happens, you're married, it's over. You don't expect to get the post-planning blues. So what do you do when you start to feel that? I think of Monica and Friends because she kind of had that after her episode. And I didn't think it was a real thing until I went through it. You spend over a year, in most cases, planning, you know, this big day and then it's over. And then it's like, what's next? So what? how do you handle the post-planning blues? Well, I think you have to get busy being a homemaker and uh, staying true to the, the, the profession you're in at the time you get married. And you have to look forward to what's ahead of you, not what's behind you. We all have things in life, not only a wedding, but many other things where we close a door and another one opens. And I've closed many doors in my life. And at the time, I waited for the other one to open. Sometimes it didn't happen as quick as I wanted to. But you got to get busy in looking at the future. 
Uh, you might have a couple down days. You you go on your honeymoon. Uh, you enjoy yourself. You come home and you're back to reality. Now it's cooking, cleaning, working, and making sure your finances are in order and being adjusted now to living with a man that has different ideas and needs than you have, and you have to work on meshing together. So with that being said, you got to look forward. Never look back. Anything in life, never look back. Back is gone. Forward is real. Absolutely, Patrice. That is such great advice. I look forward to answering your questions that you send me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, patricecatan.com. You can ask me anything you want, as stupid as you think it is, because it's never stupid when it's about you. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening. Thanks, Patrice. Thanks for all this great advice today. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Frank Bird and the production team, producer Leah Haslidge, that's me, and audio engineer Dave Douglas.